Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, spring has sprung. Thank goodness. We are finally here. Spring. It's been, I've, been a long, cold winter. It feels like it. You know, they, they talk about, you know, global climate change, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it was a long winter for us, I'm sure. I mean, I know other places are different. We're a very small. Yeah, here, we're, but, but we have people listening to us all over the country, so this is not really cold compared to New York or Chicago. No, it's right? not, but it still feels cold to me. You know, know. I'm wearing a jacket yeah. right now. I mean, it's just that... Uh, I don't know. I'm cold nature. I like warm weather and, and yeah. spring, you know, March here is not uh, as warm as I'd like for it to be. My daughter's in Orlando and this has become cold to her. So it is cold compared to Orlando. There you go. There you go. So, but hey, spring's here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's summer is right around the corner, but let's enjoy spring. We're right here at the beginning of it. And speaking of spring, we've sprung with a great show here. We have... Uh, we're going to start off talking about retirement, right? Yeah. And retirement, you've got to have two pieces figured out. One of them is the money piece. Very obvious. We'll kind of talk about that, but then you also have to have your, your life figured out as well. You got to figure out what you're going to do. Um, so retirement is not just about money. It's about uh, lifestyle and what are you going to do and where are you going to plug in? So we'll uh, dive into that. It's pretty good conversation topic. Right. You want to be happy and you got to have a plan for that. Right. And speaking of planning, you also have to be good at budgeting. We have the five biggest Budgets. budgeting mistakes. Yeah, these are good. Yeah, these are. We talk about these from time to time, but, you know, budgeting is very, very important, particularly if you're, you know, planning for retirement. You're not in retirement yet. You got to make sure you, you you don't fall in the trap of these so common budget mistakes that we see. So we're going to help you out with that. But we're going to start off here, though. Um, well, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast that you can listen to the past podcasts. We have a couple hundred of them now, and uh, you can also listen from your computer. We have a lot of videos, calculators, tools out there that you can check out. I also have a Facebook page that we put a post on uh, weekly, a video, and uh, we have a MoneyMD uh, Twitter handle. So a lot of activity. A lot of stuff out there, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Okay, so now we're going to start off with the fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the uh, Center on Education and the Workforce, and uh, the average college graduate with a bachelor's degree will earn about $3 million over their lifetime, and uh, the high, and the average high school graduate without an additional you know, higher education will earn half of that or about a million and a half over their lifetime. So we're obviously big proponents of education. You have to be smart on getting degrees, though, because you can really hurt yourself by um, getting into a profession and paying a lot of extra money, and the you know the the salary's not going to be there. Now it may be a calling, but certainly the data Steve shows that getting uh, you know more education is beneficial from a, a wage standpoint over your lifetime. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's so many takeaways you can get from these stats, these two stats that you threw out. One and a half million without a high school, college education, uh, 2.8 million over your lifetime with a college education. 
Uh, but, you know, regardless, though, I mean, if you just save a chunk of that, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have a college at one and a half million dollars you make over your lifetime. Well, guess what? If you save just a fourth of that over 30 years at an 8 percent rate of return, then you have the total back again. You have one point five million dollars back at retirement. So point is, if you save like a fourth of what you make of your lifetime, even if you have a modest income, you can have a great retirement. Yeah, you know, there's a lot you can do with that. The key is to starting early. You yeah, to start yeah. early, get let that compounding work. Right. So it's really not what you make; it's what you save. But hey, making more does help, and education certainly helps with that. So great fact of the week, and that leads up to our first topic here about a happy retirement. More than just money. It is. It is. This comes from uh, CNBC. Uh, Ivory Johnson and. You know, Steve, the reports of Americans being unprepared for retirement um, really is pretty commonplace that it really doesn't elicit an emotional response anymore. People are used to hearing that. The Employee Benefit Research Institute found about 40 percent of all U.S. households um, are projected to run out of money in retirement, about 40 percent. That's a big number. And moreover, the average Social Security benefit provided provides an income equivalent to the poverty level for a family of four. So Social Security is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not going to it can't be the whole puzzle. No, that's right. I mean, that's that's a terrible stat. You know, 40 percent, almost half approaching half running out of money in retirement. So daunting numbers indeed. You know, but I mean, these conditions, they kind of speak to the priorities that were undertaken years earlier. I mean, many families listed education as their number one goal. And given the incredible cost of college degrees, you know, and college tuition now, it only makes sense their nest egg is is not is suffering as a result. You know, I mean, I heard just last night I was listening to, you know, Fox News and they were talking about the cost of a college and how it's just exploded. You know, I call them the college cartels, hmm. yeah. you know, because, I mean, they're kind of bankrupting the future generations, you know, with the cost of college in a lot of ways. But so you got to figure out a way to keep that under wraps and not let that just overtake your retirement picture as well. Yeah. Ba- uh, Dave, Dave Ramsey has the baby steps. Baby step four is taking care of your retirement, 15% into that. And then baby step five, which is second, is college after that. Exactly. I mean, so you got to get those in, in order. And, uh, you know, Steve, we see these glossy financial planning brochures with couples in their mid-50s you know, riding in a sailboat. And, um, you know, this is simply really for a lot of people an unrealistic expectation. Um, you know, given the the increased life expectancy, uh, accumulating enough money in 35 to 40 years of working uh, to sustain us uh, in retirement is, uh, is a challenge. It's not an easy task to do. To put this in perspective, if you take out 5% from a diversified portfolio each year, um, in their scenarios, you stand a 58% chance of running out of money with 30 years of retirement. Now, it doesn't talk about, you know, what it's invested in or, you know, the different asset classes. Right. Um, seems a little a little low from the, the percent chance. It depends on how much money you're taking out and so forth and how much you have and other sources. But uh, it, it is hard for folks to save enough for retirement. So that's why a lot of people work with financial advisors to help them get over that hump and set up a plan. Yeah, exactly. And timing's a big issue, you know. I mean, too, when you look at that 58% chance of running out of money with a 5% withdrawal rate, that that seems a little high. But, you know, anybody taking withdrawals during the 2008 crisis, for instance, um, when the market was down dramatically, you know, they have a lot different outcome than somebody that took money out starting in 2009 when markets started doing a lot better. And we've had a lot, a relatively, you know, decent 10-year period 
Um, and if that was the beginning of retirement, that makes a big difference. So volatility matters. And, you know, so, I mean, if you, but if you wanted 5% per year out of your portfolio, you'd need $2 million to generate $100,000 a year of income. And that's without pensions and Social Security. So you got to think about that. Flexibility makes a big difference. It if does. you have enough saved and you're out of debt, you know, as, as Dave talks about, um, being totally debt-free in retirement gives you a lot of flexibility and you can adjust your spending when markets are down and, you know, not take big withdrawals. That all makes a huge difference. So you got to do some planning and and be totally out of debt and have some flexibility. Yeah. The other piece of retirement that not a lot of people talk about is that when you pull money out of IRAs, it's taxed at whatever the current brackets are. So, um, you know, there's a fair chance that a lot of great savers, unless they have some Roth accounts, which we talk a lot about, or some other sources of, of income and brokerage accounts, um, they're not going to be able to maintain their current quality of life um, that they had once they left their, their workforce. So you got to do some planning um, however, there are retirees that uh, have saved enough for their golden years, and that is only a part of the, the good retirement formula. The key to achieving an active, satisfying, and happy retirement it involves more than having you know adequate savings. That's a big portion of it, but it also entails you know making sure that you that you know what your pursuits are going to be, that you have mental and physical well being, that you have activities lined up because we see folks retiring and sometimes they go back to work because they haven't figured that out. Yeah, that's right. But if you're looking at shortfalls in retirement, you know, I mean, there are a number of viable solutions that might address any shortfall, you know, including like working part time at something related to your profession. You know, a teacher, for example, might might uh, begin a tutoring service or work as a tutor and accumulate some, uh, you know, innovative metrics that uh, validate you know, your approach to that. And, you know, as a scientist might decide to teach online class at a college or university, you know, a couple of days a week, even sitting with an elderly, you know, people um, who need help, you know, you can make like $15 an hour. So there's there's a lot you can do in retirement nowadays um, to help bridge that gap. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, online world, Twitter, YouTube, uh, you can get creative, uh, you know, if you have hobbies or passions during your working career, you can turn that into supplemental income and then also have a social network of like-minded people. So you're kind of solving two two issues with one. You know, if you enjoy gardening, maybe you consider working part-time at a nursery for a couple of years. Um, you know, those maybe you're good at bike riding. You can create a uh, personal training regiment and teach people about biking and taking them through the trails. So you're kind of around like-minded people, which is you know part of the equation, but you're also generating some income. And during the planning phase, you have time to complete any license requirements and build relationships with business owners and centers of influence. Some of us may even consider moving to a state with a lower cost of living, perhaps maybe renting out or uh, depreciating your residence in a high cost state subsidizes the mortgage and one one with a lower income tax. So uh, sometimes you got to you know plan and think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, you could even rent out a room at Airbnb, you know, mm-hmm. through Airbnb. Um, I've know some folks that do that, and you know, it's a great extra chunk of income in retirement. So it's a lot of ways to bridge that gap. But back to the fun stuff in retirement, you know, <laughs> the social activities and you know, having fun in retirement, you got to have a plan for that. And so, you know, if meeting new friends in retirement and after relocation is uncomfortable for you, you know, plan a vacation or a getaway with three or four other couples who find themselves in a similar financial position. So you can take a similar type, you know, vacation in terms of expense. 
Um, you know, but if you have, you know, reasonable Social Security benefits, little home equity, not enough savings, um, you can, there's a lot of things you can do to bridge that gap and make some room for some fun in retirement. But success in retirement can be defined as just waking up in the morning, you know, going to sleep at night and doing exactly what you want to do in between those times. You don't necessarily have to take extravagant vacations to have fun. Yeah, that's right. So as we talked about, Steve, you know, planning to make sure that you have your income is a big piece of the puzzle here. But you also got to figure out what are you going to do with your time? Some people that we work with want to go travel. They're buying RVs and going around and, and seeing different parts of the country, but uh, you got to do some planning on the amount that you're going to need and then also the activities. Uh, a lot of folks we talk with uh, are going to go and volunteer, which is great, do mission trips. You know, there's a lot of different ways to, to crack this uh, this egg here, but, um, you know, you got to figure out what's going to kind of suit your hobbies, your skills, your passions when you get into retirement, and you've got to figure both of them out, financial as, as well as the, uh, the relational piece of the, the puzzle. Exactly. And, you know, as we talk about from time to time, I, I love to see people test drive retirement a little bit, you know, and, and maybe work part time for a year or two mm-hmm. to really get their feet on the ground and figure out, you know, what they're going to do um, when they're totally retired. So uh, but, you know, you got to have a plan for that. But maybe just take a long vacation and spend some time at home and figure out what do you really want to do with that time? You know, when you're no longer working and, uh, you know, what's within your budget, too. So. Great topic. All right. And that leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question we get pretty frequently about trust. And do I need a trust or is a will just as good? Which one's better? Uh, it depends on the situation. Everyone needs a will. Will has to go through probate, right? So you're going to go to the courthouse and go through that process and, and make sure that everything is handled and taken care of. Whereas a trust, you skip probate. Uh, you don't have to go through probate. So most of your accounts you can handle um, with beneficiaries, which means it's not going to go to probate either. Right. Right. So the things that you put in a trust are, uh, you know, tangible assets like houses and cars and so forth. So it does help your heirs out when you do pass away to have a trust, but not everyone needs one. Right. It's a little more complicated if you have a trust. They're harder to maintain because you got to actually title things to the trust. And you got to keep them that way when you open a new account or something for the trust to be effective. So, um, you know, but it does avoid probate. Where I see people, you know, forming a trust is when they have like a house, some kind of real asset that they really want to keep out of probate, um, you know, that then it starts necessitating a trust. But um, you can do a lot with just titling accounts the right way, having beneficiaries, making it TOD, transfer on death, so it avoids probate and goes directly to your beneficiaries. So, you know, but that's, that's a good question, but not necessarily. It can go either way. That's right. Depending on what you want to accomplish. So good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is budgeting. You know, the big B word, John. I know, um, you know, when most people think of budgeting, they think of, you know, kind of a painful process. Constraints. Constraints yeah. yep. and, you know, hard decisions. While, and while some of that might be true, it's not necessarily uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be that painful of a process, but we got some budgeting mistakes here that are very common that people run into, and that's what we're going to talk about here. But, it, but budgeting can be very simple, and it can be very liberating. You know, I mean, you don't have to feel guilty going on vacation or playing golf or having a good time if you have it built into your budget. It's kind of like having a GPS, you know, or, or Google Maps on your road trip to retirement. You know, you don't have to follow it exactly, but it can guide you to a stress-free journey 
to retirement and your other goals. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be effective. You know, I've seen clients who were really able to enjoy life more in retirement because they had a budget and it fit their goals in retirement. And they knew, you know, how much they had to spend on vacations and their their fun stuff. Um, you know, but if you're 65 and you're retired and you're living well within your means, maybe you don't need a budget. But I'd say probably 95% of the others really could use a budget. Yeah, and here's uh, some recent stats. About a third of people have a financial strategy, and only 17% update that updated that recently. That means most of us don't have a strategy for retirement and uh, only have a small fraction, and only a small fraction are actually keeping it up to date. And that's one of the things we see when folks come in is, their question is, is, am I on track, right? So that's exactly. what we kind of work work with them on. And if you're over 50, then you're on a glide path to retirement, most likely, you know, 15 years or less. So you really need to get serious with budgeting, saving, and planning. And, you know, if you're under 50, you still have some time to, to make some changes and, and alter the plan some, but, but you have to maintain a budget and plan to make sure that you're going to hit those retirement goals as well. And then you have to implement it. That's right. And the younger you are, the easier it is, um, or it should be, because you have time to grow your money. Um, But having a good budget and sticking to it is the key. Again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be, you know, simple, but but liberating. But mistake number one, John, is not having a real budget. I mean, we see this all the time. You know, you ask people, you know, what are your, what do you have a budget? You know, how much you spend? And they'll pull out kind of a list of estimated expenses, but it's not really a budget. It's just a real sketchy list, you know. Whenever I see zeros on a on a category, yep. that's an estimate. <laughs> Nothing you know, comes out to zeros, no, right? No, it doesn't. You know that somebody's just just kind of uh, you know, just just kind of ballparking it. Um but a real budget though has some controls and it has some feedback. You know, a real budget has a plan of what each category will be. And then it tells you when you're over, you know, you know, when you're over a category, um, a real budget has to be kept up with monthly. Unfortunately, there is kind of this routine, you know, process you have to go through for a real budget and a real budget has some consequences when you're over in a category, like, you know, like getting zapped or something. Automatic shock app. You didn't know that, you know, your phone shocks. No, I mean, it's, um, you know, if you have an envelope system, when the envelope's empty, you stop spending in that category, you know. So, you know, just an estimate of your expenses isn't a real budget. So you you need to have some some feedback built into that system so that you know when you're over and you can make some adjustments when you're over in a category. Yeah, and mistake number two, this is huge, is not budgeting properly for non-periodic expenses like vacations or car repairs. You know, non-routine expenses like Christmas and vacations, uh, you know, and car repairs, they have to be budgeted. They have to be planned for. Just having a wild guess in your head and coming in twice that, it's not going to get her done. It's just not going to work. It's going to blow the budget up. And uh, you can plan a nice beach trip and and save for the rent, um, but if you're out of food, you know it's gonna it's gonna hurt. You're gonna be hungry during that <laughs> trip. Won't yeah. be one of the best trips if you can't eat. So, food and other expenses associated with vacation can be a big part. You've got to control those. I mean, there's um there's a there's a long list of items we're going to talk about some of them here that you've got to plan on these because they're going to happen, but they just don't happen every month. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so vacations is important that you get a, a reasonable, you know, budget for a vacation and not just the big expenses. I mean, we love to go on cruises with friends and they can be very affordable, 
But those extras, they can double it if you're not careful and you allow it to. So you have to have a plan for that. You know, you have to budget all parts of your vacation. Um, speaking of which, I mean, we took a trip to Maui a number of years ago now with our kids um, when they were smaller for a week. And we did it all for a week with with a family of five for under $2,000. Yeah, that's great. Which is kind of crazy. But, I mean, we had some frequent flyer miles we'd saved up for it, right? And we, so we got tickets like a year in advance almost, you know, at the minimum amount you could get to go all the way to to Maui, but we were able to do that. We got a great rental place. It wasn't, it was on the beach, but it wasn't the most desirable location. You know, that was, that was about half of what you'd spend anywhere else or a lot of places there. Um, we got a cheap rental car. We got groceries, you know, for breakfasts and lunches. We only ate out dinner and, you know, we didn't eat at the super nice places, but we had, you know, just normal places we ate for dinner with kids um, but we did ha- go out a night or two, you know, just the two of us and we bought groceries. We bought snorkel gear from Walmart, you know, um, so we didn't rent anything. Um, you know, we drove through all the great sites. We did everything, but we did it cheap. So if you want to have, you know, nice dinners, et cetera, and, and you budget for it, then that's great. You know, I mean, uh, you can do that, but you got to have a budget for it. Great, great vacations don't have to be, um, that way, if you plan accordingly and you use all your resources, they don't have to blow the budget. So, of course, everybody doesn't have frequent flyer miles. So maybe, you, you know, just you have a vacation house with friends or something. Or you go in the off season. But you got to budget for all that kind of stuff, including Christmas, taxes, insurance, car repairs, all those non-routine things. It's very important. Yeah, mistake number three here is not keeping track of discretionary expenses. And uh, most people pay f- for miscellaneous stuff, and then they list them as one category. And Walmart's a great example of that. I and mean, you can buy, uh, you know, from clothes to auto things to you know uh, recreation to food and so forth. And yep. <clears throat> one month it can be five hundred, the next month it's two thousand, and you don't know why. It's all. It's all kind of together. So break out, you know, your your data completely each month and know where it's going. If you're overspending in an area, you're going to have to break it down weekly. Um, or if you go into Walmart, pay for your grocery separate than your whatever that else that you're buying in there so you can keep track of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so if you're over in a category, it's time to stop spending in that category, you know. And if it, if, if it doesn't work, then start using envelopes and cash for those items, those discretionary items that you tend to overspend for. Um, Envelope system is a surefire way to control spending for discretionary items or have a separate bank account for discretionary money and only spend money with a debit card or something out of that account. Um, So there are lots of ways of doing it, but you got to keep track of those discretionary miscellaneous items. That's a big mistake if you're not not doing that. Um, the next mistake, though, John, is not being willing to change kind of the budget busters. You know, I mean, everybody has that one category where they just spend, they, they tend to want to spend a lot of money. You know, I mean, it can be clothes, it could be eating out, it could be golf even, <laughs> ouch, you know, or vacations. There's kind of my two weaknesses maybe, you know, but psychologically, you don't want to change those things. It's painful. It's your weakness, right? But to be successful You have to go after it. You have to tackle it. You have to be willing to compromise with your spouse if you have a spouse, you know, and, you know, each of you have to be willing to give up that area that you want to spend so much money on. Um, But you can still enjoy those things. It just needs to be in moderation. It needs to be planned well. It needs to be budgeted. 
Um, but you have to be willing to face your budget demons and conquer them if you're going to be successful. Yeah. Mistake number five here is not leaving cushion in your budget. And then we see people doing this all the time. You have a $5,000 budget and you have no room uh, to spare um, for things that pop up. And, um, you know, you may be a analytical type of person and you can't, you know, you can handle having no room, but most people need to have about a 10% cushion uh, in any budget um, in order to make it work. So you got to give yourself some flexibility because every month there will be something different. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, most people can't account for like 5% of their expenses, even if you're real detailed about it. Um, so if you have a 10% cushion, maybe you have extra 5% that you can save, but at least you won't go over budget. So you got to have at least a 10% cushion on your budget so or else it's not going to work. You're constantly going to run over your budget. You're not going to know why, and it's because of that, that stuff you can't account for. Um, so keep a healthy cushion in your budget. Allow for the variation from month to month and the cash expenses that you can't easily keep track of. So um, so the takeaways here are, you know, you don't have to to have a real detailed budget, but it needs to be effective. You know, it, it needs to be simple, effective. It can be liberating, um, but it doesn't have to be that painful. So keep a real budget, you know, with a 10 percent cushion, tackle the budget busters, break the cycle um, of your miscellaneous items that you haven't haven't broken out. Um, and great vacations don't have to cost a lot. They don't have to bust the budget. But they have to be planned for carefully, so, you know, but planning is the key to keeping your budget under control for most things. Um, so, yeah, that's the five biggest budgeting mistakes. And that leads us up here to our final thing, which is the prescription of the week. Yeah, speaking of budgeting, uh, grocery bills, if you look at a budget, are usually pretty significant. So the prescription of the week is this, if you aren't shopping at an Aldi or a Lidl um, or another low-cost store, I guess Costco you could throw in there, or um, Sam's, uh, maybe Walmart, you could be spending 20 to 30% more than, than necessary. And we've done some studies on this. We actually had, was it Kathy, yep. I guess, went out and bought some items. Maybe Tammy did one or two, but yeah. um, you know, a couple of years ago, and it was significant. And uh, you pulled up some interesting information from the USDA as well. Yeah, that's right. The USDA says that the average family of four spends about, we'll say, eleven to twelve hundred dollars per month on groceries. Um, if you're shopping at the popular places, you know, like the Kroger's and the Publix. you know Publix and Fresh Market, those kind of places that tend to be more expensive. So, um, you know, eleven twelve hundred dollars per month. Well, you know, if you save twenty percent on that. Just by going somewhere less convenient, an Aldi's and a Walmart, those were the two cheapest ones we found in our study we did back, you know, a few years ago. And uh, But if you could save 20% on that, which is pretty easy, that's the low-hanging fruit, that's just changing where you're going, mm -hmm. right? Um, then that would be about $220 per month. If you did that for 30 years, you invested that in a Roth IRA <laughs> or a regular IRA, let it grow at 8% per year. You know how much it comes to? A lot. A third of a million dollars. Goodness. Yeah. So you're if you're shopping at the expensive places, not paying attention to where you're shopping just because of the convenience of it, you're throwing away a third of a million dollars you're in retirement. Your, you're eating your, your retirement. 
you're, you're eating your retirement. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you're just, you're not even eating it. It's the same food, basically. It's just, it's just more convenient, yeah. right? It's packaged better. And or there's something. probably ways you can save more than that. This, this goes through a couple of different um, levels of cost, and some of the costs are half. It's incredible because according to the USDA, they have these five categories uh, or four categories of of liberal, moderate, low cost, or thrifty. And if you're if you're in the liberal plan, yeah, you're like eleven to thirteen hundred dollars a month for um, a family of four. If you're all the way down to the thrifty side, you're half that. You're five sixty one to six forty four. You're spending half as much mm-hmm. on groceries, so you can save. Like an entire Roth IRA contribution every single month, like five six thousand dollars a year, for just on groceries for yeah. a family of four. We were in Walmart. We were buying some blueberries this last weekend, and I was about to pick some up. They looked good and reasonable price. They were like three bucks. And Tammy said, "You know, we can get that for half the cost at Aldi." Wow! And um, wow, they're great. They the fruit at Aldi is fantastic. We we buy most of our fruit from there. We do buy it from Sam sometimes as well, but. Yeah, you can if you're not shopping at some of these, you know, discounters, you need to. There's there's some good good options there. There is. And you know, there's less selection maybe at Aldi, but you know, Walmart has a tremendous selection and and there we our study showed they were almost as as low cost as mm-hmm. Aldi. So, you got to pay attention to groceries. It's a big item. You can save a lot of money and if you appropriate it right, it can it can make a huge difference in your retirement. So, there you go. All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net, or give us a call, Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Van Associates, a registered investment advisor.